Well, hello, church. How are we guys doing tonight? Woo! Good. Awesome. Hey, I'm so excited to be talking tonight because we are talking about communion. Um, and know this, uh, I'm always excited to talk about who Jesus is, which is all about communion. So there you go. But just to give you a little recap, we are in this series called Why. If you missed the first couple weeks, I would recommend go check them out. They are awesome. Um, First week was about funerals. I know that sounds weird, but I'm telling you, it is totally worth your time to go listen to that sermon. And then last week, Pastor David did one on weddings, and it was really good too. And so today, talking about communion. I'm really excited about this. But as we've been going through this series, we've been kind of giving some definitions, giving all those kind of things. And so I just wanted uh, to kind of keep us going in this. So rituals, here's what they mean. Rituals help us express our deepest thoughts and feelings about what we hold as important. So just given this, this is the definition we've been using throughout the whole series. Now I want you to catch this next part though because this is gonna be a theme throughout this whole sermon. So catch this next part. If we don't know the reason, we won't know the value. If we don't know the reason, we won't know the value. And I think with communion, especially this part right here, it can become dangerous. So I wanna make sure today, here's my goal. I wanna explain the reason of why we do communion but also help you understand the value of it. So to kind of get us in that mindset, to kind of get us going on this, here's what I want to do. I want you to think about those phrases or traditions or symbols that maybe have lost their meaning over time, or they're just kind of outdated, whatever the case may be. I'll give you a few just to get your mind going. Um, First one is this, check your Rolodex. Okay, (laughs) for those of you who are laughing, you know what that is. If If you weren't laughing, ask someone who was laughing because you're like Rolodex, what, what is that? Um, other one, roll up the window. <laughs> it's all automated now, there's none of this action that we used to have to do. Um, I also like this one, I'll give you a call when I get to a phone, when I, when I get there, because it's attached to the wall, you know, like that's, when I get home I'll be able to give you a call, but that's not, parent anymore because we all have cell phones. And this is the last one, and I thought this one was great because I remember saying this all the time, especially in high school and middle school. Hey, let's pick up a video for this weekend. You know, let's go to that video store and pick one up. Blockbuster does not exist anymore. It's sad. But now you can order videos online. You can do all that. So all these phrases that we used to use all the time are now, you don't hear them anymore. I give you a symbol. Uh, Here's a picture I want you to see. You know, a barbershop. Typical, you got the pole, you got everything. And as I was kind of looking up, hey, what symbols that have lost their uh, meaning, all those kind of things, or we just don't know about it, the history of this is so fascinating. So if you ever wondered why the red stripe, why the white stripe, here's why. Uh, A barbershop, the reason they had that is because it used to represent blood and bandages. Yeah, let that sink in for a little bit. I'm per- when I first read this, I was like, who is giving these haircuts? Like, this is, this is rough. Um, turns out, back in history, that barbers were not only the ones that cut your hair, they were also your surgeon. Because doctors didn't do surgery back in the day. They assumed the barbers really knew how to do it. So, so think about this. Going into the barber shop, open the door, you walk in, you're like, hey, I would like a haircut, and my appendix is really bothering me. So maybe a little bit off the top and a lot right here, if you know what I mean. 
I just, I can't picture that, but if you grew up in that time, you would be like, oh, that totally makes sense, which most of us in here, I hope, didn't. Like, that's so long ago. But you look at that, and this is true across some of you in here can name off some other symbols, some other things, other phrases that we've had that had so much meaning before, but now it's totally lost its meaning. And so as we think about that, it's amazing to me how when it comes to communion, I think if we're not careful, we can sometimes forget the reason why we do it, and more importantly, we forget the value of it. And so that's why I want to make sure today, as we go through this, as we even take communion later in the service, I want you to understand how important this is, how valuable it is. So let's start off with the meaning. What is communion? What, what does it mean? So here's the definition of it. Communion is a ritual for the purpose of remembering Christ's sacrifice for us. Think of a very simple definition. Most of you could be like, yeah, I, I agree with that. If you grew up in church, if you didn't, there you go. Definition of communion. And so I, don't, I know I've been guilty of this, and I think maybe many of us in here have, but we, do, we know this, but if you've ever, I know this happened to me. You take communion in a church, and it's just kind of like, okay, the pastor told me to eat the bread, eat the bread, got it. Okay, drink the juice, drink the juice, got it. Remember Jesus. All right, that's good. That's all, like, it becomes very routine on some levels. And I know for me that I've had moments where I sat in church taking communion, and I was just like, okay, I, I feel like I should do that because that's what Christians do. Or, and you can know in the Bible, God asks us to do it. Maybe that's just what God asks us. But I've never really wrestled with, okay, why? Why do we do this? Why is this so important to God? Why does this ritual, why did God make it apparent and say, this is what you need to do throughout history? Even in the phrases that you find in the Bible, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Why is this so valuable to him? And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna take you on this journey of understanding the history behind it, understanding the reason behind it, and then I'm gonna also show you some value to it as well. But the interesting part is that our struggle, even today, with understanding communion, this has not been like a new problem. This has been a problem that's been going on throughout all of history. I mean, in the Bible, you'll see it as a problem. In 1 Corinthians, now, let me give you a little explanation of this. See, Paul wrote this letter. Paul was the one that went and started all these churches. So if you read a lot of the New Testament of your Bible, you'll see 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesus, or Ephesians, Galatians, and all of these represent churches that he, was, he had started, and he's writing letters to them to help clarify things. So the Corinthians were doing something a little bit off, and by a little bit, I mean a lot of bit, um, with communion. So let me read this to you. Catch what's going on here. It's crazy. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. That is the craziest communion I think I've ever heard of. Um, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. And you'll learn, like, throughout all of history, and especially in this time frame, now, the church in Corinth, it didn't start that many years after Jesus Christ had raised from the dead. So you're not talking a big difference of time here. 
But even in that moment, you think it like they misunderstood it. For some reason, they thought that this was a time where you gathered together and those who had money, you spin it on the bread, you spin it on the wine, you kind of turn it into this party. Well, those who didn't have enough, you just said, well, good luck. And Paul was like, that is not what communion is. Most of us in here would be like, what? That's not it at all. How did they get to that understanding? And I go, I don't know that. But I think all of us in here, we go, well, what is the true understanding of communion? What is it supposed to be? And so that's the part I want to help us walk through. So we got to begin with some of the history. I want to set up this for you. So let's go to where Jesus is sitting with his disciples about ready to have this meal. Now to set this up, here's what's going on. And so they are celebrating Passover. And Passover was this event that was celebrated every year by the Jewish culture where they would remember and they would have, they would make certain bread for this, they would make certain items for this and they would share this meal with either friends, family, whoever they wanted to invite and what you would do is you have this meal together in remembrance and here's the whole point of the meal. You would, like they would have bread, they would have the wine, they would have this whole meal to remember we were once, as a nation, we were once in slavery to Egypt and God brought us out of that. And not only that, throughout all of history, he's been providing for us day after day after day. So they had this moment to where they would celebrate that in Passover. So you've got that dynamic going on. Jesus knew this. All the disciples knew this. This is the custom that they would do. They would get together as groups, and they would have this meal. And then Jesus added something on top of it that I think is so profound to where he says, okay, do you remember why we celebrate Passover? Remember what God did in those moments and what God has been doing all the way up to this time. But I'm gonna add another element to this, that when you eat the bread and when you drink the wine, that you recognize that I'm gonna be the one that breaks your sin slavery. And I'm gonna make it possible for you to be free on a whole nother level. You'll, you'll love and you'll be blown away by what my Father, what us as God, will do in this moment. And so then he walks his disciples through this. And he starts off with the bread. So let me read to you what Jesus said when he was talking about the bread. In Matthew it says this, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Pretty standard stuff, if you've been at church, you've heard this verse. But I want you to recognize how we understand it and how the Jewish culture would have understood it is completely different. I'll give you, for instance, just how they process things. Like they would look at this table and they would, at, or I should say, let's just take us for instance. We look at this table, we see it as its functionality piece. It has four legs, it's got a thing, it holds things. Maybe we'll have a meal at it, whatever, but it's just used for that purpose. We understand the how. We understand the what. But for the Jewish culture, they would look at this and go, no, 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 no. This has so much more meaning. Especially if this is, I know there's a really small table to represent someone's like dining table, but just go with it. But this would, they would be like, no, no, this is represents where my family eats. This is where relationships are built. This, this table is, has so much meaning. And they would give everything significance. They would answer the why. Why do we even have a table? It's because it brings family together. So when they talk about bread, understand when they're bringing it into Passover, they were saying this bread represents a source of life. 
God's provided food for us for so many times and he's just been able to provide this for us and maintain life through this Jewish nation. They wouldn't see it just as just a piece of bread like we would where we'd be like, you know what bread is? It's great with salad or it's great in sandwiches. PB&J, fantastic. Or put some like pulled barbecue pork on it, mm, delicious. Like now all of you are salivating. Like, but it's just, <clears throat> that's how we think of bread. They would have not seen it that way. They would have said, no, 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 this is like, this is the bread of life. Like this represents so much more. Even to the point, like catch this, they would never cut this. Cut it would be too violent. That's why you see Jesus, he broke it. In Jewish culture, they'll never cut the bread because it represented so much to them. They'd be like, no, 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 you can't cut it, you, you break it. That's why you even hear Jesus say, I'm the bread of life, the maintainer of life, the source of life. That's how they would have saw this and the disciples would have known that. But then there's this whole other dynamic that Jesus put on there that that's when I went, oh man, the disciples would have just, as soon as they realized it, it would have turned. So let me read the scripture to you and then I'll explain it. So Matthew 27 says this. Then Jesus shouted again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I know you're going, how does that connect? What's going on here? Because let me read this again. Jesus said, this is the bread broken for you. This represents my body broken for you. Now, if you've studied the Bible at all, you know, technically, Jesus never broke a bone in his body. Even when he was on the cross, which would have been a normal thing in crucifixion, is that when he's on the cross, you would break the person's legs, so then they would die quicker. Well, Jesus died so quickly that they didn't have to. So when Jesus says, this is my body that's broken for you, you're representing the bread, what's he referring to? Why does he say that? And it has to do with this verse. Because what he is saying is like that curtain, that's what's been broken. So what's the significance of that? It's simply this. That curtain had represent the barrier between God and humanity for a very long time. Ever since the temple was created, there was a curtain put in place because all of us in here were not allowed to go just into the presence of God. So if you wanted to talk to God, if you wanted to... Uh, pray to him or anything like that, what you had to do was you had to come to the priest, the priest had to hear your prayers and he would take all of them in and then there'd be a certain time of year where he would have to go through getting cleansed and getting through all the right rituals, doing everything that he needed to. They would even strap a, a rope around him with bells so that when he walked into the temple and went through the curtain, entering into the presence of God, it was this hope that he was holy enough, he was good enough to enter into that presence and to say the things that all of us had been saying to him. Well, there were many times where the priest, that's why they had the rope, would just fall dead because they had either something had gone wrong or it was just too much to handle the presence of God. So our sins, our issues, had always been created this barrier between God and humanity. So when Jesus said, this is my body that's broken for you, and the temple had this curtain that was torn in two when Jesus died, he is saying, no longer do you have to go through all these processes. No longer 
Do you have to do all this? You now have access to God. That access has been granted to you because Jesus died. Think of it this way. Jesus' death, Jesus' death removed the barrier between God and us. That's why the bread is so significant because Jesus is pointing out, here's what gives you access to him. My body that's going to be broken, that rips that temple curtain in half. No longer do we have to go through all the priests. You now have the ability to be connected with God. Now, hold on though, because that's not everything, that's just the bread. So think of it this way, the door's been open, but we're not allowed to walk through it yet. We have access, but we still have to deal with the problem that's in all humanity, the sin issue, in order to be in the presence of God. So then God goes, let's talk about the wine. Let's talk about the juice. So Matthew 26, 27 and 28 say this. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Now, using that language right there, poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. We understand it, but man, the disciples would have understood that to a whole nother level. Because if you understand, when he talks about blood, throughout all of Jewish history, blood is represented that way of us having sins forgiven. You think about it all the way back to Adam and Eve. When they first got close to where they've got the animal skins, you think about that was blood that had to be shed in order for them to be forgiven and to start walking out this relationship with God. And it keeps going. Throughout all the Old Testament, you'll see this common theme where in order to forgive the sins that you've committed, the mistakes, the things that we've done against God, what you would have to do is take your top animal, firstborn, best looking, and bring it to God. And then the priest would sacrifice it. So that way that blood could be able to take care of the sin and offer you forgiveness. So think about this. Jesus is trying to make the point My blood that I'm going to shed gives you the ability for all of us in here to be forgiven. And think about it this way. Forgiveness is not free. Never has been. Forgiveness requires a sacrifice. And Jesus was the one that was willing to give it. So then that way, not only is the door open, we can now enter it because God has redeemed us. We've been forgiven. We've been made pure again. Think of it this way. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is our redemption. The way he lived, the way he sacrificed for us, and his resurrection, the fact that his blood was spilled so that all of us could be forgiven and all of us could have that opportunity to walk into the presence of God and have a conversation with him. See, to me, that's why 
Communion becomes so powerful when you start to understand the reasoning behind this because you start to go, Jesus was making it possible not only for us to understand what God was doing, but to understand that's how we have a relationship with him. That's what Jesus made possible so that you could enter into his presence, the door is open, but also you can now have a conversation with him. Jesus recognized, hey, this old covenant, it's not what I want. I want this new covenant to where we take out the priest, we take out the whole old rituals of how we do it. Instead, I want to make this new and make it even better to where I'll be the ultimate sacrifice. And that way you can gain access and you can have conversations in the presence of God. And it's... It's amazing to think about when you put that into perspective of how much God cared about a relationship with us. And that's why, hear me on this, this is the one rule that communion has. So hear this, communion is for those who choose to believe in Jesus' redemption. Communion is for those who choose to believe in Jesus' redemption. Because I would think it'd be very we would not even understand it for us to take the bread and the wine and to eat it and to walk through this service, but yet not accept Christ or accept what he's done because you're missing the whole point of it. That's why God said, if you study throughout all scripture, his main point of all communion was, I need you to believe and own this. Communion is all about remembering that. So that's why we must be believers. And no, hear, hear me at this. At this church, that's the only requirement we have. We don't expect you to be members. We don't expect you to have like this pass to turn in and be like, hey, I, I got my communion card. Like, no. All we ask is we simply say, know what you're doing, so be a believer. When you take the bread, you understand the history of it. You understand why Jesus broke his body for us. When you drink the juice or the wine, you understand why he had to shed his blood. And I hope you start to recognize the reasoning of it. it makes it pretty humbling for us. Because we could never do this on our own. And that's why within this, as we've kind of walked through the history, as we walk through all of this, I think there's three responses that you gotta think through as it comes to communion. Either you reject it and you say, you know what, I, the way you act and the way you talk, you just go, I don't believe that I need that. I don't believe Jesus needs to do that for me. I am good all by myself. I don't need my sins taken care of. Or you accept it, and the way you talk and the way you behave is in the manner of you're going, it's all because Jesus made this possible that I'm able to have a relationship with God. I'm able to have a relationship with Christ. I'm able to be changed. I'm beginning to understand what forgiveness means, so I gotta offer it to other people. I'm beginning to understand what love means, so I offer it to other people. I'm beginning to understand what truth really is. I'm beginning to understand grace. That's what it means to accept it to where we really start to walk out following Jesus Christ because of everything he did so that we could have a relationship with him. But then the last option is, so you've got reject, you've got accept. Last one is we forget it. And I've been guilty of this. Actually, I've been guilty of probably rejecting it too for a moment in my life. To where we forget it because we, re, we had that moment where God changed everything. We had that moment where God did something amazing and we took communion then, but then over time, we just forget it. Even going back to it, it's, it's lost its meaning in our lives.
And so I hope today you start wrestling with, have I accepted it? Have I accepted this gift that Christ has offered me? The fact that his body was broken, the fact that his blood was shed so that I could have a relationship with God. Have you owned that? Because that's required in order for you to take communion. So now we understand the reasoning part of it. We get kind of the, okay, now I'm starting to understand the why behind it, the history, all those kind of things. But let me give you the other thing. This is the value part to me. This is why it becomes so much more powerful on so many levels. So here's what it is. Communion reminds us of our seat at the table. You may be thinking, what? What are you talking about? Let me explain it this way. So this past week, um, I had some time to where uh, Tina, my wife, she was having to work late um, and having to do some things. And so I had some like probably two or three hours at home. And I always love these times where I had Emma, my three-year-old daughter, and Corbin, my nine-month-old son, just to myself. And so we were, we did dinner together. We did all that. We even played a little bit. I mean, Corbin at nine months, he's just crawling all over the place and just loves to look at you and smile, which is so cute. But then I have Emma, who is at that three-year-old stage, loves doing things, loves chatting, loves talking. And her favorite game right now is hide-and-go-seek. And what hide-and-go-seek consists of is her hiding in the same spot every time. It's in her closet, in her room, and I don't know why. I try to tell her, new spot. I know where you're going to hide, new spot. She doesn't get it. She loves hiding there every time. And then she loves opening it before I find her. I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so I love that. But the whole time that I had, God was kind of pressing in, especially at the dinner time. And I was like, hey, I want you to recognize this is what communion's all about. And I sat there and I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? God, explain this to me. He's like, well, the time that you've had together, this meal, and the time you got to hang out and talk, it's a relationship. You're building that with your daughter. You're building that with your son. And I love that, and I want that. And all of us in here would be like, that. yes, those moments are amazing. And he's like, and it's not like Emma comes into the conversation and sits there at the dinner table and goes, who are you? What are you doing here? Why are you hanging out with me? Most of the time, she's so excited that she gets the opportunity, and she's so excited to be like, yeah, okay, daddy's home, let's play. Now, there is sometimes she wants mommy, but that's beside the point. But God's pressing in and going, see, that's, that's what I want for our relationship. I want my sons and my daughters to know how much I love them and care for them, just like any parent would. He's like, that's why I, I want people to be reminded of this. Because my son made it possible for you to have a seat at the table. You couldn't have earned that on your own. You couldn't have fixed the problem that was there. You couldn't have gained access to me by yourself. You couldn't have taken care of your own sacrifice. You couldn't have taken care of your own blood being spilled and being able to be in my presence. See, my son did that. And so all I ask is for you to sit at this table with me. I just want you to remember how you got there. That's why I want you to do communion. That's why I want you to remember this. Because this relationship that we have, I want to show you so many things. 
I want to connect on so many levels. But I can't have you walk in here wondering what's going on and why is this happening? No, 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 no. I want you to understand why you have this seat. And that's because of Jesus. He made it possible for you to sit here at this table. And the beautiful part is, every one of you in here has a seat at this table. And God is giving you the opportunity to sit there with him, to connect with him, to learn what it means to have a relationship with him. The only thing he asks is, know why you have that seat. And do it on a regular basis. So think about this, anytime you pray, anytime you have a conversation with God, anytime you connect with God, the reason that's possible is because of Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus did. So, hear me on this. As we walk through this, you have to be asking this question, okay, man, God has done so much. God has made this so amazing. Then the question becomes, what needs to be our response? What needs to be our response in the midst of this? How do we need to handle all of this? And I would say this, we must choose to remember because Christ never forgot us. We must choose to remember. That means on a regular basis, because I think it's so easy to walk through life and forget. I'm guilty of it. I think many of us in here have been guilty of it. To where we had that moment where God changed our life forever, and then over time, it somehow has become not as important. And so that's why I think God kind of knew this about us and he put these things in front of us being like, do this so that you'll remember me. Do this so you don't forget why you got this seat here. I, I think it reminds us of how humbling it is and, and how much we need humility in our relationship with God. And recognizing, man, I, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be sitting here. I don't deserve to be able to pray, to be able to connect in this way. But Jesus made it possible. And so, hear me on this. As a church, whenever we do communion, because I know some of you have been asking, like, well, when are we going to do communion? How do you guys do communion? All those kind of things. Here's what I would say. The way we do communion is simply this. And it's not just going to be part of the service. It'll just be something that we do, we don't explain, and we hope you figure out, no, no, no. It will be the service. To where we walk this out and you understand why you are taking communion and why we need to remember. Because what God did for us is so amazing. And it's a shame on us if we forget. Because it's not God's responsibility to remember. It's ours. It's fascinating, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, Paul has kind of walked through them. This is what communion is supposed to be. Here's what we need. Here's what he said. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I hope we live a life like that, and that communion reminds us of how much we need to own and proclaim what Christ has done for us. Because, church, I wouldn't even encourage you in this. Don't wait on the church to remind you about what Jesus did. 
If you need to walk into a prayer time, if you need to walk into a conversation with God and you're going, man, I, I just feel like I've been off, I've been doing, or maybe you're going through a tough time in your life and you just need to be reminded what Jesus did, I would encourage you. If you need to do it just individually, take communion. Grab a piece of bread, grab some wine or juice and just be like, God, help me to remember. And some of you are in here going, oh no, we need a pastor. No, no. There is nothing in the Bible that says you need a pastor to be there in order to take communion. Never says that. But when we take it here as a church, yeah, there are some rules that we need to follow. But individually, I think do it whenever you need it. Because I think your relationship with God matters so much. And I want you to make sure that you understand why you have this seat. And don't forget why you have this seat. So, church, I encourage you as you go, as you take this kind of whatever has been going on, if you've been processing this, I hope that you start really changing That's how the ways that you may remember what Christ has done and that communion becomes so much more valuable in your life. It's not just something you do because you're a Christian. It's not something you do because God asks you. You do it because, man, this relationship is all possible because of Jesus Christ, and I need to remember. I need to remember what Christ did. So pretty soon here, we're going to take communion. But here's the one thing I want you to wrestle with. Because I know some of you in here, you may, this is the first time you've ever heard of this, maybe the first time you've ever heard about Jesus. And as I read through the scriptures, I'm going to read exactly what Jesus said, and then I'm going to pray. But I think it would be foolish of me not to give everybody in here the opportunity. If you've not accepted Christ, if you've not fully understood what this meant, and not only that, just the fact that God loves you so much that he fought, he pursued to have this relationship with you. That's why he gave up his body. That's why he gave up his blood. And if you're going, I need that. I'm going to pray and I will give you an opportunity to do that. But for those of you who are in here and you've accepted Christ a long time ago or maybe six months ago or six years ago, whatever it is, I hope in this moment that we're about ready to have, you remember what God did, how he changed you forever. He marked you and saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I'm so glad you're sitting at the table with me. I love you. So let me read Matthew 26, 26 through 29. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. And I want us just to picture us being there as he says this. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom.